All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fuck, Nicks? What's happening? How's it going? Where are you at? Throw it away already. Throw the leftovers away. It's you don't. It's not your responsibility to to kind of string out. You know the number of things you can do with drying out turkey, unless it's like unless you enjoy it. You know my mistake. You know what? Let me take that back. Do make it last forever. Make the soup. Make the stew. Make the pot pie. Do whatever. String it along for as long as you can. Because what else are we doing? I hope you had a good uh, holiday. I hope that uh, whatever I, if you didn't listen to the pep talks on the last episode of WTF, you can always go there. And also it's a good episode. A lot of people space to, to listen, but it's Mike Campbell from the, from Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. And it was really a, an exciting episode. I was excited, excited to talk to him. The conversation took, took place pre COVID pre tragedy. It was a different time, man. It was a different time, but I do hope that you dealt with the holiday. Okay, I, I, I personally, it was the it was the least aggravating, least stressful, more connected uh, Thanksgiving I've ever had. It was just me and one other person, you know. And I, I, I cooked the stuff. I was not thrilled with the way things came out. A lot of it, I don't, I don't guess I need to go into it because it is what it is, right? You do what you can, right? But fuck turkey. Seriously. Enough with the, the turkeys. What am I talking? You know what? I, I don't know. Let's, let's talk about this. This is exciting. James Kahn. Fucking James Kahn is on the show today. Do I need to tell you who he is? I shouldn't. The Godfather. Uh, he was in Misery. Thief. He was in some great older movies. The Killer Elite. The Rain People. Um, the Gambler. Harry and Walter go to New York. James Kahn feels like somebody who's been in my life since I was a child because he he has. And he was one of those guys that my my father liked, you know, the tough Jew. There's not that many tough Jews. So, uh, you know, my dad wanting, aspiring to be a tough Jew. I imagine many of the uh, sort of uh, uh, nebbishy Jews that were trying to evolve into something more aggressive were... um, Big James, who isn't a big James Conn fan? I talked to his kid Scott not long ago, and this just happened, man. It just happened because somebody happened to tweet at him uh, that he should come on the podcast, and his assistant set it up. Nothing to promote, just to talk to him. But he's still fucking tough, and he had some good stories. It was very exciting. It was very exciting. And also, many of you know him from Elf, uh, which is always on television. But Sonny, Sonny and the Godfather, right? Sonny, right? Good story about where the character of Sonny comes from. Good story. So anyways, what I, here's a couple of things I realized over Thanksgiving. Is that uh, turkey, uh, not that great. It's never that good. That the, uh, the, big, uh, the big con, the big racket is, you know, once a year, we try to make this gamey, tough bird interesting and good and it's just not that good and think about it do you does is it i mean it makes a good cold cut it's okay nice sliced turkey sandwich i don't mind that but the whole idea of turkey it's just not a great bird that's why chicken is popular that's why you don't go to a restaurant and wonder what the turkey dish is it's not there 
I think we should give the turkeys a break already. I got this mediocre turkey from a place. I wasn't even going to do it. I was at the place where I get fish and they had turkeys available. So I got a little one. I decided to invite my friend kid over and we do the thing. And I don't know, maybe I fucked it up. Maybe that's what I'm having a hard time admitting. I'm usually so good at it because when I'm down in Florida cooking for 20 people, 24 people at my mother's house, we go to that Delaware poultry joint. Uh, in, in Lauderdale or wherever the fuck it is, we get these turkeys that you know have been dead hours, and they're fresh as fuck, and they're just they're as good as turkey's gonna get. So I bought this smaller turkey, and I, I I was on top of it, and all of a sudden it was overcooked a little bit, but it was the chess pie, man, the fucking chess pie. I love chess pie. It's it's a southern regional dessert. Okay. I never made it. Some people, you know, they like the chocolate chest pie or the lemon chest pie. There's a lot of different chest pies. It's basically kind of like a, a custard pie in a way. But I made the crust, which I was nervous about, but it came out fucking perfect. I made the chest pie, and it's like you cook it, and the, and the custard sets, and then the top caramelizes naturally, almost like a creme brulee. And it's just a southern regional pie that I, I was obsessed with briefly. And I, when I go down south, I eat it. Not unlike barbecue. I'm not going to eat barbecue where there's no barbecue. I'm not going to eat chess pie if it's not indigenous. But I decided for some fucking reason I needed to make a chess pie. I needed to make my own pie crust. And that's a fucking frustrating crapshoot. You don't know what's going to happen with a pie crust. And the lady, I'm watching the lady on the video make it. And she's just whipping it out. Rolling it out like it's nothing. And then you got to realize, like, how many fucking times? How is there a pile of fucking fucked up, broken, not attractive looking, rolled out attempts at pie crust next to her in a garbage can? Look, I'm not saying she's no good at what she does. I'm just saying that they're not going to show you the real struggle that us mortals have who aren't bakers. You know, you got to fucking figure it out. You know, do it by hand a little bit. But it came out great. The pie was fucking great. It was literally one of those desserts where I took a bite and it made me cry with joy, the sugar. But I hope you had a nice Thanksgiving. And I hope that uh, your whiny, complaining, whinging, Trump-loving relatives didn't bum you out. The idea, it's like, it's amazing to me. The idea that these fucking fake alpha snowflakes call progressive people or people they think who are liberal whiny these fucking guys are the most i don't maybe they don't see it as whining maybe let's just call it what it is bitching and moaning by inflated cucks who think they're alphas who have been misled by a pig grifter brain fucked by the pig grifter And now all they do is whine and complain and cry like little babies. They cry fraud when they just sore losers. They are like what has been revealed here outside of the con, outside of the grift, outside of just a a, an election where the pig president was handed his ass. What's been revealed here is that my God. These right-wing trolley idiots are much bigger babies than any of the progressives I know. What a bunch of babies. Oh, my God. 
the whining never stops. And then when you think about it, that's all they fucking do. Just it's like just a victim mode. How is it that these dudes, these patriotic guys who think they're alphas, never stop complaining? It's fucking unreal. I'm glad there's clarity coming, a little bit of clarity. At least everyone has stood up and was counted over the last four years. We know who everybody is, don't we? A couple of things happened. I watched the Belushi documentary and on Showtime, and I just, I kind of, it was weird. I reconnected with how much I loved that guy when I was a, a younger person, when I was, a, you know, when SNL was the first season. Him and Chevy, I loved them. And I, I mean, I really loved that guy. And I, I think a lot of us did of my age who grew up with that. And I remember the day he died. I was a freshman in college and I used to have a little picture of him, uh, him of just his eye on the, on the door of my room of my dorm room in college. And I remember the day he died. Cause I, I got a, I got my car towed that day. It was just a horrible day. And there's just, I remember those pictures of him being so heavy and, and so fucked up on drugs. And it, it really hurt me in some way that this hilarious guy who I was so attached to uh, just couldn't, couldn't reel it in. And the night or two after I saw that documentary, I had a drug dream for the first time in a while. It was a weird dream. Just some guy at a bar, some kind of like little bearded dude, looked like he's having a good time. He said, hey man, you want to do a bump? And I'm like, all right. And I, like, I remember thinking like, yes, I'm ready to bump now. I'm ready to do a bump. We got into this bathroom and it was so small. It was not a stall. It was the actual bathroom. It was so small that we were like right, right up against each other and his stomach was protruding and it was touching me and he's pulling these bumps out with a little out of a little vial with a little spoon and he gave me he gave himself a bump and then he gave me a bump and I remember in the dream I'm like just one nostril we're only doing one nostril and then it was it was all cramped in there I'm like I got to get the fuck out of here and I and I left and I just remember like I felt the burning in my nose it was very familiar and I woke up guilty because I remembered but it it didn't happen and I guess it was connected to Belushi, but uh, it was not a good experience. And, I, and I'm and i glad I opened the door to get out for a couple of reasons. Too cramped in there. It didn't look like the dude was going to give me a second bump. But that being said, that kind of opened up some portal into my past. And then the last few days or night before last, I was putting together, I'm trying to set up a, a room in my house for my office. And I was going through all these photo albums of me and my parents in the late 60s and 70s. And it was, I don't know, man. When you really sit with that stuff and you look at that stuff and you realize that your parents were young once and that they, you know, they might not have been happy, but they definitely were engaging in life. They were out in the world. My mother was dressing up in all these kind of mod clothes same with my dad they're drinking they're smoking they're partying they're swinging they're doing whatever the fuck they're doing and i'm just sitting there thinking like is anyone going to pay attention to me <laughs> there's pictures where it's just oh my god thank god for my grandma but i don't know it just opened up this whole kind of uh valve in my heart kind of of you know where i came from and that it was a real a, it's been a real fucking journey and there's so much going on in the present and there's so much we dump in our head in the present with the phones and with everything is like your just brain is occupied with garbage all the time engaged with garbage 
to just sort of avoid the fear, the pain, the sadness, the anger, whatever it is. But there's just this constant, get me out of this. And there I was looking at my whole life in pictures and I'm like, get me in this. Let's get this dug in. You came from someplace. You went through something. So did your parents. Look at them. Look where you are now. You're 57 years old. My father's going to be 82 today. Fuck. I got to call my dad. My mother's probably going to be 79. And I'm 57. I'm looking at pictures from 1972 of me wearing a little vest that my mom dressed me up like a little mod hippie kid. A lot of outfits. But I'm that same guy. That guy is inside of me. He lives in me. He's been there the whole time. I got to get him up to speed. I got to get that kid up to speed. I got to meet him midway. So that's what's going to be happening. So James Kahn, what an honor this was. Um, you know, he's James Kahn. This is me talking to him. Enjoy it. Hey, Mark, why are you doing? I'm good. How are you, James? Who gives a shit? That's exactly my feeling, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) How you feeling, man? How's your back? My my back, oddly enough, is is good. Where where they uh, cut so many times, and that's what I always tell people: they cut three times, long, wide, and repeatedly. (laughs) Yeah, I had two back operations before. Mind you, that's not counting the twenty-one that I had from my normal way of life from the time I was about 14. Right. Which didn't include very many Jewish activities. Okay? No. <laughs> yeah, no. like, how'd you do it? How'd you fuck your back up? Well, no, I mean, it was, just, I mean, I mean, non-Jewish activities is the answer for yeah. all of them. I mean, I wrote here professionally for nine years, for a Jew from New York, Queens, yeah. Brooklyn. Yeah. Open ocean racing. Yeah motorcycles right karate for 35 years i mean you 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 name it and i i I did it i don't know why non-jewish activities you call them yeah yeah (laughs) like ice hockey i mean who does that i mean who does that (laughs) well how jewish did you grow up how jewish can you grow up i mean i don't know (laughs) my parents were german jews did they speak yiddish in the house no, I didn't speak a Yiddish anywhere. Yeah. It was bad enough I had to learn to speak German a little bit, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> it was my mother, you know, she called out the way to Jamesy, she called me Jamesy. Yeah. Good thing I was I was fairly rough when I was young because <laughs> I fight every day. Ma, don't put your head out there and say Jamesy, okay? It's like, you know, I had a four yeah. fights by the time I get to the front door. You're not helping anything. So, oh, Jamesy. <laughs> yeah. No, they were, they were German Jews, and um, my dad was a beast. He was... Um, he was in the meat business, meat business. He was a butcher. Uh, yeah. Meat business. Sounds good. He could, and, uh, could he break down a whole cow? He could break down you and a whole cow. <laughs> like, he was Yeah. He was uh, he was a big man. He was a good guy, man. He he uh he serviced restaurants. He was a, like the, the go between between the market and, yeah. and restaurants. Right. In a truck that yeah. I used to have to clean out the blood when I was old enough to get a car and go pick up a girl for the first time. Yeah. 
I had to get the fat and blood smell out of the, out of the station wagon. <laughs> yeah. So I used to get them stupid things that you hang on the dingle dangles all over the friggin' car. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You mean the little trees? Smell like a whole house. Yeah. That, <laughs> but anything. <laughs> yeah. Take my mother's perfume when she wasn't looking, squirted in there. There was three of us. Yeah. My, my younger brother and my sister. So we had one car in the family. Then he finally got another one. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't like, oh, can I have the uh, Saturday car, Dad? Yeah, know? right. You could have this right in your <laughs> friggin' mouth. Get out of here. Was he that guy? He was, a, was he a fighter? No, he, he was a tough guy. He was a great guy. He was about 5'9", um, 5'9 five, nine, five, nine and a half, about 220. Yeah. Did he live to see your success? Oh, yeah. Like, when I made the first $50 I made, I flew my whole family out here. Yeah? So, yeah. That was a mistake. My dad... My dad didn't know what to do with himself out here, you know, like... How long did he come out for? He didn't know what to do. I brought him out here. I shut him down out there and got him out. Oh, 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 I see. Oh, you removed him out here. Yeah. And, <clears throat> see, his job is what made me an actor because I didn't want to do that. I did not want to do that. Yeah, but it's not like you want to do a lot of things. Yeah, it's interesting that you chose acting. You don't want to you don't want to be a butcher, but you know, you did a lot of exciting stuff. See, Mark, that's what I like about you. You're really sharp. You picked that up like fucking nothing. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> like that. What do you mean? <laughs> didn't want to be a butcher. You're a bright <laughs> son of a bitch. How long is this interview? <laughs> All right, all right, all right. But I mean but you had a, but it seems like you had other interests, you had a lot of options. Why did you choose Acting doesn't seem like any to get racket. It's interesting. I don't know, but I was like the tougher guy in the neighborhood. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, when I went to school, I know, I mean, I, I love about making people laugh all the time. Right. I got away. All my friends were like three years older than me. I was fairly large for my size. I mean, my age. I was yeah. 14, 15. I was already 5'11", about 175, 180. In order to be the toughest guy in the neighborhood, here's what you have to do. I'm telling all these young kids why. Okay. So at PS150, you had to fight three times a week, or you get beat up three times a week. It didn't matter. Right. So you had to fight all the time. So what I did on the first day of school when I went to PS150, right. there was a kid named Billy Spiro. Lived across the boulevard, you know, Billy. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> and I told him, I'll meet him after class. Yeah. And we'll go into the garden. There was a place they called the garden. Right. In all my life that I was there, I never saw a flower in it. It was just dirt. Right? <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. It was a dirt yard. Yeah. Flowers were long gone. I, yeah, no, I had already given them to my girlfriend. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> yeah. I I said to Billy, I'll meet you in that thing. So I beat the piss out of Billy, okay? Right, yeah. And for that, I never had a fight again. I was like the big guy in the school. You see what I mean? So this way, I put all my fights into one fight. Yeah. If I wanted, I was home free for four years. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's like the first day in prison. You fucking- yeah, I was already an act of bullshitting guy already, like, from the time I was in the ninth grade, you know? So no one fucked with you for four years? No, no. I I, I mean, I had to clean up cases. I was like the, the, the godfather, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> and then I played a lot of ball. So that's... When did the acting bug grab you? Well, uh, I went to Michigan State when I was 16. That's not because I was smart, Mark. I saw your face drop a little yeah, bit. Yeah, a little bit. I was, Surprising. I was not smart. Yeah. Not smart. It was, yeah. had nothing to do with being smart. It had to do with being my they, – they had to get rid of me. Yeah. They wanted me out of that freaking school so bad, <laughs> which was Rhodes High School. But I, yeah, enough of this kid. So I became president of my school student body when I was 14. Yeah. So I had – I was that – 
president of the student body, yeah. play basketball and baseball for them. And when I was his president, I got in all these these special classes or things that you give away, like driver's ed. They didn't want that. I got that. Yeah. I got all the things that the school really didn't need and right. want. Yeah. So they got rid of me. They, I, I went to one summer school and went to Michigan State. Now at 16, and I went to try to play some football. By, by then, I was about 190. 5'11 and a half, 5'11 and a half, 6'0. Yeah. I finally got the back The back operation made me 6'0. Yeah. No. <laughs> Stretch it out. <laughs> they, yeah, I had all these squash discs yeah. from crashes and whatnot. They, uh, they filled them in with metal? They put metal in there? I have no idea. They didn't let me look. I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So I, right, do, so you, I do. I do hear music all day long. Though, I swear <laughs> to God, it comes right in. You picking up the radio? Yeah, the songs first. God bless America all day. <laughs> it's and then a volume. So you played ball? Did you play football? Yeah, a little bit. And then I'll tell you this story. I played. I came there. I lied first of all that I wasn't because my social life was already dead. I'm 16. Yeah. And I'm a Jew. That, right. that really went big in Michigan <laughs> State. No good, huh? No, no, because you had to have two sports to keep your scholarship. So I went to boxing. I had one other heavyweight in 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 the in the class and on the team. Yeah. And for midterm, we had a box three rounds, right? I don't know. I boxed this kid. It was nothing really. And I hit him a right hand, I think somewhere in like the end of the first round. Yeah. And down he went. <laughs> yeah. So I didn't have to do anything after for that second half. There was nobody else to fight. <laughs> Just like high school. but uh, So what happened? How'd you get into acting? Well, I'll tell you the story and then it'll go backwards. Yeah. 16 years later when I'm fairly popular, I'm, a, I'm being humble. I was so popular. It was ridiculous. Early no. 70s? <laughs> yeah, when we 70s, 80s. 16 years after I left school. Yeah. And Duffy Doherty at Michigan State had retired and he loved the racetrack, Duffy Doherty. He did. So he... he he moved to uh, Santa Barbara. So he'd go to those tracks for their whole meetings. You know, he loved it. Yeah. And I go, I go there one day and I had a horse. Uh, a few of us had a little kind So it got me into the director's room, you know, the fancy room above the fancy room here. Because you owned a couple of horses? I owned I, uh, some people back east. They gave me a horse. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Some of those guys. <laughs> uh, I, his name was Cowboys Obsession. So. Anyway, I'd go there and it was a kid named Archie Matzos who was a, t a tackle, excuse me, he was a guard at our school, All-American, who became All-Pro at New Orleans. And I go to the track and I walk in the director's room and there's Duffy Doherty with Johnny Majors and Bud Christensen. Johnny Majors had just won Coach of the Year for Pittsburgh, from Pittsburgh, and Bud Christensen, you know, from Oklahoma. I mean, and of course, and the coach said, this is part of the reason I I was already acting. Yeah. He says, oh, here's one of my dummies. He says, come here. <laughs> so I come over. I say, hi, coach. He said, hello, coach. Really honored to see these two guys, too. Yeah. And he says, you know something? <laughs> like this. He said, he said, I already get 10% of your career. I said, why is that, coach? He says, I told you to quit playing football. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why. That was one of the reasons I started acting. Right. I, I wasn't a really a good student. I just hated the series. I yeah. don't know why. I just didn't like it. But you like playing sports? Oh, I love play, I love playing sports. I've done that's the reason for all my other injuries. I mean right. golf, tennis, I mean, every game. Yeah. And I mean a rodeo is like stupid enough for a Jew. I mean That was like, crazy. What do you how when, how old are you when you did rodeo? 
I started, my best friend's a guy named, Bob, uh, he was a stuntman's name, is, and my brother-in-law, Walter Scott. And he got you into rodeo? He, 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 I started doing a day, yeah, and I started rodeo. I mean, I started a rope, right? But you're already acting, and, right? This is just a hobby. Of course I'm acting. Who could afford the rodeo? I mean, what right. are you nuts? <laughs> no, I'm going to go on a, on a fucking road for like, you know, <laughs> 10 hours a day and eat relish sandwiches. But yeah, <laughs> I was ready. I could afford to do that. You understand? Right. Right. I was doing that because I wasn't winning a lot. You get it? Not yeah. winning a lot. Yeah. A fucking Jew actor from fucking Beverly Hills. Yeah. When they used to announce me, I wanted to kill the announcer. Do you have to say Beverly Hills? <laughs> and now, you know, back in the, from Beverly Hills, you putts, Bob. Yeah. You, can you get off and say Selma or say some kind of cute name? I don't know. What, what if they Beverly just said Hill? Jew? Here's the Jew from Beverly Hills. No, 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 Here's the Jew on the horse. You know what I mean? You don't even kid around with that shit. You don't kid around with that yeah. shit. A Jew, yeah. You know, nothing. <laughs> nothing. They knew. Yeah. So you were, you were roping? I was roping, doping, doing everything. You know, it's yeah. like I started rope calves, you know, and rope steers. I rope. I was like, holy you know, shit! So you really knew how to do that on the like when it comes a horseman, you knew what you knew what was up. Yeah, yeah. A lot of that was all real. That was some. That was some hairy shit. But when you, I saw, I was watching that movie, and when you were tying up that calf, you knew what you were fucking doing, right? <laughs> See, you're a smart guy, Mark. <laughs> I know. Everybody I keep impressing comedians you. Don't, comedians don't know shit. But nah, I, I'm sharp. I pay attention. You make yeah, you make shit up and people laugh. They don't know right. you're fucking dumber than a cow. That's, of course not. I'm I'm getting <laughs> away with it. It's a hustle. It's a fucking hustle. I got a question for you. What happens sure, at the uh because like, you know, I got nothing to do during the pandemic, so I'm watching movies and I you know, I got to watch a bunch of your old movies. Even before <laughs> even before I thought I knew I was gonna talk to you, I was at one night where I'm like, I wanna see a Jimmy Conn movie I'd never seen before. And I watched Slither, which I thought was oh. pretty. Holy shit, you dug in there, didn't you, pal? Yeah, I liked it, though. I liked it. I like Peter Boyle. Sally Kellerman was on my TV show. Sally Kellerman. We yeah. had a guy, yeah, Jack Smith, who, the director, he couldn't, he had a glottal L like Peter Falk. Yeah. Listen, listen to me when I got a And so we had <laughs> Peter Boyle. Yeah. Sally Kellerman. I mean, it was hysterical. <laughs> Everybody with two L's, it was hysterical. <laughs> Could do it. But I got a question yeah. for you. What the hell happens yeah. at the at the end of Countdown? Does that guy die or does he make it oh, to the fucking thing? Oh, wow. What a way you hit. That's unbelievable. It was Bob Allman's first movie. You understand that? Yes. First. Yeah. Nobody knew. So the first time we, we shot this stuff, for example, when he wired everybody and found a way with the sound department, to record the sound with people overlapping each other. This is the first time, you know, if you're talking, everybody else got to be shut up and everything is shut off before right. you get the, the line. But he came out with, you know, the ability to do, and, and all his pictures did that. You could hear right. conversations going on. Right. Instead of it being filtered in after the yeah. take. <clears throat> but that's not what made him great. Bob Altman was a good director. Bob Altman was also the first guy who had, um, you remember a scope of tone where you put a dollar in a jukebox and it played a video? It was the first time. Oh, I don't know if I knew what it. that was. Yeah. Well, in other words, you know, it was, a, it was the jukeboxes yeah. that showed videos. Right, yeah, yeah. He made the videos for the for the song. Yeah, So right. you got the song in the ju and you also got a video. Right. I get it, yeah. It was pretty cool. And he did one in his house. He threw a party and he asked me, he says, Jimmy, come up and be in my video. What video? I mean... Yeah. The reviews haven't come out yet. I'm doing videos. 
He goes, come on. So I, I go, I go up to the house, and we do this video. Oh, I don't know. About three weeks later, we're working at TRW at night, and for lunch, he set up these folding chairs in front of a screen, a portable screen, and he wanted to show the crew and everybody, you know, the video it just shot. And it was a and it was a video of this party that he threw up there. Yeah, really beautifully done. So, and you know, people and the dialogue. The, right. Yeah. Yeah. Where it could be, and I'm sitting there, and mind you, this is like midnight. You know, like one o'clock. I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden, there's a shot of this blonde girl holding a tray. I sit up on my seat. I never saw anything like this. Oh my god! And I watch her walk across the street, and I yell. I'm just an idiot. Yeah. Stop the fucking stop it! Jimmy, Jimmy said, "Stop the video right now, please." I beg you. We go back. Right, back it up a little. Jimmy, Bob, please, I beg you. Yeah. So he stops it. Who in the fuck is that? I'm whispering to you, which is hysterical. Yeah. I want, who the fuck was that? Yeah. He goes, it's my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. <laughs> His daughter. He runs home and he says, guess who I got you for Christmas? She says to her. <laughs> so we went out for a while. You did? Oh, yeah. She was great. Great girl. That's pretty funny. You know what else I watched? You know what I watched last night? I watched uh, The Killer Elite. Oh, man, that's another. You watch, okay. These are little off movies, which I kind of almost forgot. Killer was Sam Peckinpah. Right, but you know, you but, but that movie, you and Duvall were so tight by that point. Like, you guys, like, you seem like best well, friends. It was supposed to be tight. I was great, though. But you guys yeah, actually, yeah. you liked each other, right? Listen, I did. I, he's my best friend. He's still. I done five or six movies with Bobby. Yeah. I mean, he still calls me. He's just absolutely crazy, you know, Bobby. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's the greatest. But he, he's 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 in his 80s. He's in Kentucky or somewhere, right? In Virginia. Virginia. Yeah. Got horses. Plains, and Plains Virginia. He has a couple of horses, but it's the most beautiful. It's so beautiful. He was fathered in there. It's like 360 acres down there. Bobby, you know, he's so. <laughs> he called me at six and one was like, meat, you know, talk about meat for a half hour. You know, really? it's, it's just you salt. Just salt to cook. It's probably six in the fucking morning. You know, he's just, he's the best. So the first picture was was The Rain People. That's a great movie, no, man. And he was, well, he was in Countdown too. That's right. He played the astronaut that was pissed off at you. Yeah, and, and then, I did. Uh, I did uh, the Killer Elite, the Rain People. The Rain People. Uh, I never saw that before. That was great. You were, you were yeah. like, uh, that was Francis' second movie. He did one other movie before that called "You're a Big Boy Now." Yeah. What was he like yeah. then? Did you guys get along? You and Francis? With Bobby? No, with Francis. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, no, but I was like, I was an actor, actor. I got a lot of great notices in that picture. You know, for playing a guy without. Yeah, you you're mentally handicapped and you got a plate. But, but mentally handicapped, I just what what the idea was to be mentally handicapped, and I really stuck to this. But I wasn't. I'm not into that. You know, at night I want to go with the guys. I can't live that. They were these aesthetic fucking movie people. Eighteen of them. We traveled all across the country and talked that shit all night long. You go nuts. Yeah. And I was so depressed. I used to go in a, a Holiday Inn and play with the fucking switch lights. You know, I used to like go down. Oh, he wants you to stay in character? Suicide. 
the whole no, time? No, he didn't, he, didn't, he didn't say nothing. I just couldn't stand to listen to that dialogue anymore. Oh, right, right. You know? <laughs> yeah. Fuck, get me some pussy. <laughs> yeah, but that was like some deep acting. Where'd you study acting? I was uh, at the Neighborhood Playhouse in New York. For, with Sandy Meisner? Sandy, Sandy was just left there. Sid Pollack, as a matter of fact, was the youngest teacher there. Oh, Sidney Pollack. Oh, he's so good, right? Yeah, and uh, and then I got a scholarship from my guru, who I stayed with for years. Who's that? I, I, Win Hanman. Oh, he just yeah. died last year. Oh, he's great. 97. He was still teaching. Yeah, he was my everything. He oh. gave me a scholarship. I went there, paid, and then he just wanted me to... He had so much confidence in me. It just... I, and a beautiful thing on one one day when we if we're together I'll show you. I wrote a letter to him. I was twenty one or twenty two. I said, "Hey, when I got to go out to Hollywood, I had done. There was only three movies at the time in New York or things on film, rather. Naked City, you remember that? Yeah. Or you wouldn't remember. Was it, it a TV film. show? Yeah, it was a yeah. yeah. And then um, Route sixty six. Yeah. And then <clears throat> and then there was this thing called a, it was a play of the week by. David Susskind used to put it on, and it was a, an actual play. It was an hour and a half, you know, crap. It was an hour and a half play of the week, and it was done live with three cameras. Right. I did one of those shows, uh, Black Monday. Okay. With everybody, I mean, in it. I mean, uh, Redford was was in it. I mean, everybody had every all these actors, and it was a big deal. So I had done those three. And then that was it. I mean, there was nothing else to do except, you know, do an off-Broadway show for $45 a week. Yeah. And and uh, then I started getting these calls from Hollywood. I don't know. They want you to do this one. I flew out, did it. I was a fucking cow town, man. I, I can't. You got to drive a half hour to get a newspaper. Are you fucking yeah. nuts? And then, <laughs> yeah. then it you know, would be 7 o'clock on Friday night. I'd race to the airport, get that midnight special, get home. You know, and now, meantime, I'm married already. I got married when I was 21. Yeah. I had nothing else to do that night. I don't know. I was, yeah. <laughs> what yeah. happened? How long did that marriage oh, last? fuck. First oh, one? Long one, yeah. Three, three. Three, three years. years. <laughs> yeah. I got a second name, but I'm, that's it. Yeah. Oh, boy. Anyway, <laughs> I had five of them. So, five marriages. Four. Four. My wife last one at five. You got to see. We went down to get a license. Yeah. And the lady's sitting there. She's seeing the applications, and and all of a sudden she she goes, nine, nine, nine fucking marriages <laughs> between she the two. She was my fourth. I was in fifth. Jesus Christ! This is the last one. The final chapter. Yes. So when you moved out here, this guy. So Win Handman. Like I talked to John Leguizamo about that guy. Like he did, he was everybody's champion. That guy. Well, was, well, he had uh, American Playhouse. You yeah. Know, it was West. Well, American Playhouse East, and yeah, he had that for years, and he taught there, and he and he and his big thing was to find young writers. You know, he used to find a way, so they would come in there, would put on the productions of these writers all the time right. at the American Playhouse, and um, I went and I did a couple things for him, and it was like forty five dollars a week or forty five dollars. Right. Right. But he did. He teach you. I was driving a meat truck, you know. It was, oh, so you're in the family just, business. He said, "Give me a ride home." He's just like, and I get him in the back of that bloody fucking thing and take him down to you know <laughs> certain place. <laughs> and when I went out there, I wrote this letter to him. Hey, buddy, well, when you know, you know, here and I just so lucky. I lived in the, the Fireside Manor, it was called. Yeah, I was married. I said, "I'll go out there and see how it goes." A few weeks. 
Yeah. I got four starring roles in the big series out here yeah. in five weeks. It was the, the, the doctor show, but Kildare, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Alfred Hitchcock presents. Right, right, yeah. Craft suspense theater. So I'm going, Jesus Christ, you know. What after another? But there's a little cocky fucker I was, yeah. you know. So you're like, this is it. No, yeah, but it was like great. And the poor guy came out with couldn't get a job. I felt bad. Yeah, I got real lucky, you know, like real lucky. And and then uh, I called for her. The she wife. came out, and yeah. that was it. We stayed. Yeah. But I remember how. I, I used to think that I, I got the jobs mostly because because I said no a lot. <laughs> really? That's probably true. Yeah, they go, Who's this fucking asshole? Say no to <laughs> yeah. me. We'll show you him. See my, no, you see my Emmys up there? You see that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Stick them up your ass. Well, fuck you. I didn't say that, but I never went that far. But I really had a thing of integrity. I really, I mean, the thing... With Wim, Wim used to say, you have a chance to do this better than anybody's ever done it. Wow. I said, okay. You know, when I, we did certain uh, Mooney's Kid Don't Cry or some of these things. And he stayed with me till this past year. He died in 97. He was yeah. still teaching. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I just I, I just watched a documentary on him. He's a very impressive guy. But he did, But you mostly learned with the, uh, the method of the Meisner technique. Is that where it started? Well, Meisner and they're all pretty close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you just you just took to it. I, I don't remember what taking to it was, but I mean, I did it. But uh, to me, I had the pleasure. I, I really did. I taught a couple of classes. Yeah. But one I taught last year, and the, and and a year or so before, um, they, they called it a master class. They have this right. master thing. Yeah. I love being a master. That's weird. So finally, you're a master. Yeah. Hey, master, don't call me Jimmy. Call me master. <laughs> Uh, and, bring a, and bring a bone yeah but I, I have very definite ideas about it you know it's like look i'm a big believer in instinct i mean and i proclaim that proclaim <laughs> i became god too now no but you the master i say that if you get a script there's 10 actors right 20 actors 30 actors they send the script to you and the first time when they, they, they look at you and they send you the script and it says, look at the part of John, right? Right. I don't care who you are, but you're reading this thing. You don't, you don't want to get involved in the stories. You're good, so hopefully... I mean, But every time, subconsciously, when it says John, you slow down a little bit. I don't care. You're full of shit if you don't. You do. Right. It's you. Oh, that's yeah. me, John. Yeah. <laughs> so something happens the minute you see John, right? Something right. inside of you internally happens. Right. That's as close as you're going to come to being that person. Now, it's going to be a lot further because you're going to understand what your relationship to everybody is, what they feel about you, which will get in the way. It's more of a makeup. Then. Right, yeah. But internally, that's the first, as close as you're going to come. You're going to come a lot closer to that character. Yeah. Because that's you. That's, that's your instinct. Look, every story's been fucking told. Every one of them. Yeah. I mean, the Romans did it, the Greeks did it, the, you know, Shakespeare fucking did it. You know, they, they all did it. The good guy wins, the bad guy loses. The good guy gets the horse, he doesn't get the horse, he gets the girl. I mean, yeah. do, do you know what I mean? It's yeah. What do you think keeps people's ass in the seat anymore? They know your journey pretty much, every everything you make. Yeah. They know where you're going to end up pretty much, right? Is what I call unpredictability. So you're more interested in the character... How he gets through this journey, you, you don't do this consciously, but when he when he or she comes on, yeah, 
oh, I've had an experience like that. Whatever radiates across the, the aisle, it's unpredictable. It's what Brandon made you sit there because it wasn't, it wasn't where he was going. It's where he's at right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, yeah. Right. Totally unpredictable. Right, right. That's what keeps your ass in the seat. Right. And you can't say, I'm going to be unpredictable. It's you. You you by yourself is going to be different than that guy and that guy and that That's what made you different than the other 15 guys that are going for the part. And the one that's close, the one they like, that's the one they're going to pick. But if 15 guys come in and read the same shit, you know, like, I used to tell them it was like Tommy Udo. You know when a guy pushes his grandmother off the uh, second story down the stairs? She's a 90-year-old woman. He pushes her down the stairs. He says, <laughs> yeah. you old bitch. You got to die. He pushes her That's pretty fucking horrid. So if I were to do that, and this is the way I sometimes, and I suggest to myself, um, oh, this poor old lady, you know, she brought me up from the time I was like five. She worked three jobs. She had to work four, but I got older. She fed me, she bought me. She, she's the greatest old lady I've ever met. I love her to death. If it wasn't for her, I don't know where I'd be. Yeah. And I go and I say my lines, okay? So what happens? I go, I look at her for a minute too long before I say, this, yeah, you're fucking, you know, he, the guy's crazy. Yeah. But I look at her and I go, what am I, what am I gonna do, you know? So I'm saying, and I say, this poor, she, what she did for me. And I go through all that, you know, before I come on and I go, I'm just doing it verbally now. Was, you poor old bitch. Yeah. All right. She looks at me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kill you. What? No, you don't understand. I just, what, whatever the lines, I have to read those lines. Yeah. So, uh, you know, God bless you, whatever, but God bless you. How's this? Goodbye. I push it on said, fuck, what was that? What was that? You don't remember that for a long time. That's nuts. That's scarier than your father. That child. What was that from? Whatever. It wasn't anything from but, but my mind. I remember one oh, scene. Oh, oh right, it right was, yeah. Just to tell you that it's all about behavior. It is not about fucking words. Right. Words don't mean anything until you speak them. And, and the behavior that you have inside. So when I prepared it, she's come out and said, how am I going to say this to this poor old girl? Right. The point is, it's fuck you. And she's, I'm going to push you down the stairs as the end result. Yeah. You can't do it nicely. But I came over and said, this guy has got a mental problem. He's fucked up. Right. Right? And so it's more and more interesting than the guy going, hey, yo, bitch. I'm actually, yeah. So you got to approach her from yourself, from the inside. No, that's, an, that's kind of a, a, broad, a broad one, right? You know what I mean? That's yeah. kind of a, Sure. Expansive idea. Yeah, but no, but that was a good acting lesson. But I mean, it comes from, but you kind of lock in, you make these fucking choices and then you get them out of your head and then you get you in the lock scene. In. You lock in to what your choices are. Right. Yeah. But the, but you don't bring any of the prep. You don't, it doesn't matter. You know, we, you know, you, you, no, you, the prep, if it's done properly, that's in you. See, I know it sounds too like I'm not, I don't take astral flights and do all of that shit, you know? Right. Sure. I don't believe in that. But as, as an actor or a person, it's like a lot of times you have a thing with your girl or whatever. You do have this whole buildup inside you before you go there. What am I going to say? You've had those things with your parents, with whatever. You know, I'm in trouble. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Sure, and it's in there. You put you it in there. You forget that you did that prep. Yeah. But you still, when you go in to say, hey, mom, I got to tell you something. All of that is coming out now. Right, right. And the way you say things. 
She's not going to say, why are you acting crazy? You're not acting crazy. But like when you, okay, so like when, like with The Godfather, you know, you guys, like there's all this talk about like, you know, you were supposed to, you were going to play Michael and then Michael and yeah, then yeah, yeah. But like, that how does- That was a great song. See, every time I say that now, the cameras fall over, everything happens. But what, what but like, what was that about? Who, who made those choices? I'll tell you that. Well, everything was choices were Francis, nobody else's. Yeah. But at first, they try to make him. Listen, I had done the rain people. Yeah. I was friendly with him. He stayed at my house here. You know, he. So when he, when he, Bob Evans and them, Bob Evans wanted Gusta Garbus or something. You know, yeah. do you remember him from, do you remember Gusta Garbus? Oh, the director? The, the Greek director. Yeah, yeah, Z, yeah. You remember yeah, Z? Yeah, yeah, Z. Right, right, yeah. And, I used to play. I used to rob him in tennis. It was ridiculous. Bobby <laughs> yeah. was just this crazy ego. <laughs> yeah. We used to have me and a kid named Gary Chase, and was an A player. We'd go there, and he would get Jimmy Connors. He would get Pancho Gonzalez. He would get everybody, anybody he wanted as, <laughs> yeah. his, as his partner. I swear to God, this is true. This Bob Evans? And he played for like four. Yeah. Yeah. He played for $400 a corner and $800 a corner. No, those guys would all beat me 0-0 with the wrong hand. Right. But they didn't have to hit every other shot. He never got that. Yeah. I was a fairly decent A player. My partner was a good A player. Yeah. You know, not at the level. Of, he didn't get the, the the notion. He didn't get the idea that you got to hit every other fucking ball, you moron. <laughs> yeah. You got to, you know, you got to, you got to serve every ball. You ain't winning that game. Yeah. You know, and you ain't winning none of my serves on, on your side. I got to get one off him or you have to get four off me. Yeah. I like my chances. So we just rob him. <laughs> I mean, it was that. I said, Bobby, I can't do this anymore. Don't you understand? Connors would come. I mean, you name the, the guys he had there. The pros. I, said, I can't. I just, I'm just it's ridiculous. You can't do this. I don't want your money. So, and I said at the time, I was a little cocky. I said, uh, I said, you know, the only guy that I know that should do this. I'm not saying that I'm responsible for this. I a little bit. Yeah. Is Francis Coppola. I said, because Francis, his grandmother lived right around the corner from me in Sunnyside. Yeah. Right? Francis is not a Brooklyn Italian. Yeah. He's a Mediterranean Italian. What do you mean? Art, music, those kids were never out of the cutting room. Father was Lee Flowers for Toscanini, right? Yeah. That's all it was. He was, right? His, his, his father was a composer, right? Composer and lead yeah. flautist for the test for Toscanini's orchestra. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Flautist, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know. Yeah. And that's all they knew, you know, yeah. wine and this. And, yeah. <laughs> and I made that mention, but they finally met with Francis and maybe a little responsible, but I truly believe that. And I think that was the success of the movie. Yeah. You know, everybody condoned everything for the sake of family. Oh, right. You killed 85 guys. I don't care. Did you hurt your sister? Yeah. You know? I <laughs> right. Mean, yeah. Yeah. So he got Francis. And Francis got, you know, he got Bobby, thank God. Randall, thank God, double time. Yeah. And and Al Pacino, which we who we didn't know at the time. Yeah. Okay. So he's Jimmy. Uh, da, da, da. He says, will you come up to San Francisco? Blah, blah, blah. So the four, we went up to San Francisco, and Eleanor, his wife, put a bowl on her head and cut her hair bowls. <laughs> yeah. And bought us these full corned beef sandwiches for lunch. And we improvised. They have that film somewhere. Where we read some of the dialogue, you, you, know, you and Al and and Bobby, Bobby yeah, and Brando some, sometimes, <laughs> but mostly me, Al and Bobby, yeah. And I mean, I never got straight. I bust everybody's balls from the minute I got in there, yeah, because 
And Bob, please don't let us, don't let this shit. I didn't write this crap. What the fuck, you, you know? And it and it's in there when they show it. Yeah. So the point is that that was his cast for yeah. the price of four coffee sandwiches. Okay. Right. <laughs> yeah. So now I go back home, and he's going back to New York to scout. You're gonna you're gonna do New York City in 1945. That's yeah. a small little task. Yeah. So he's going back to end this and that, and I get a call one night about. 11.30, so it had to be 2.30 in the morning with him. Jimmy, what? Uh, I want you to come in. What's the matter, friend? He said, they want you to test. They want me to test? Test what? You got a Porsche? You want me to drive around the block? <laughs> yeah. He said, no, come on. I'm not kidding you. Just come in. Do me a favor. Fucking come in. So, okay. So I come in. Now, they had... I don't want to use his name, but the other guy who was going to play Sonny, they wanted me to play. They wanted me to play Michael. Right. Bobby was Bobby. So I go, I, said, I don't understand. Now, here's the thing. I knew Francis so well that I knew he wanted Michael physically. Just for looks. He never got to look the Sicilian dark. Yeah. You know, more pensive and that guy. And he wanted Sonny to be the Americanized version of him. Right. Right. He's a younger brother. And Al, at that time, I love Al. He's a good friend of mine, and he's great. Yeah. At that time, he was really self-destructive. Pacino was. Because it was hard for him to get to Francis to get him. You know, he buried up in a, in, a, in a concept that he had. Yeah. You know? He was an actor's actor, you know? But it was worse every fucking time he came in. So we'd have these tests. I tested for everything. Mario Puzo, you read the book. Yeah. The Making of the Godfather. Yeah. If Khan had tits, he'd have played K. It said. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I came in, I was half-hearted about it. You know, I just, because I knew Francis was killing him. Yeah. I walked in this studio on 57th Street. There were 900 actors sitting around this fucking, on, a, on the floor with their backs against the wall yeah. in the studio, eating, drinking coffee. All of them were going to test. They had English accents, Scotch accents. They were from bumfuck Idaho. I don't know where, where, where they were from. Everybody you can name was there. Everybody. And they were all testing for what? Michael. Oh, my God. Yeah. I go in and test for Michael. I'm fucking, I, you know, it's okay. It's nothing. But I didn't. My heart was with Francis. I, yeah. I was getting mad at for Francis. Yeah. So I came home that day from the studio feeling Francis' pain and then. And I did my test. I'm going inside. And the next morning, I get up and I start throwing all this shit in the bag. I'm getting out of there. And they come to my door and say, Jimmy, where are you going? They want you to come and test again. I said, get your foot outside of my door. I'll break your fucking foot off. Get out of here. Yeah. Go fuck yourself. And I'm going to come home and throw that little prick out of the 30-story window. Yeah, get the <laughs> fuck away from me. What are you, just get the fuck out of here, okay? And I go, and I... I'm so in a hurry. I don't even go to my plane. I go right to the, the terminal and get on a train. They got to Chicago. Just yeah. so I can get away from them. Go to the train. About my third day there, that night I got to go. They said, okay, Jimmy, please come back. You sonny, you sonny, you sonny. So he kept pushing Al. And each time Al was worse than he was the time before. Why? Because he was overthinking it or what? No, because, I mean, the, the, the guy's disgusted. He's giving his best. Francis believed him, which is all that really mattered to me. As Michael. I mean, it's a director's picture once I get in there. Yeah. Once they make up a mind that this is the director, I'm going to leave him alone and let him direct. Right. And thank God, 
you know, it was Michael. But yeah. even during the making of it, but but I could see Michael wanted he he wanted to be so far removed from it. He was this nebbish kind of guy in the army. Oh, Al, doing yeah. Things that the Corleones wouldn't do. Right. And meanwhile, I'm fucking acting up. Right. You know. Yeah. And, and but then it was some place for him to grow from, you know. And yeah. To understand it. Anyway, so it all worked out, I think, pretty well. But that's interesting. That's interesting. At the beginning, you thought he was underplaying it, and then he he, he left himself room to grow into the monster. He was underplaying. He was being this guy. He's a soldier. He's taking, he's taking Orders. stupid commands right, from right. people that aren't going to go kill this guy. Just, okay, do 25 push-ups. No right. problem. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. So he was quiet and thinking. It's funny you get you really kind of think deeply about the your intuitions are not just for yourself but for the whole sort of structure of the movie when you enter oh, this for stuff. sure it has yeah. to fit yeah you have to relate to I mean that's why I said you get to know who they are how they how much they like you know you get to really know you have a little different sometimes I'm not aware of it but I have a different way of dressing the father as opposed to the mother of my girlfriend right or or, or the bad guy's left hand guy the guy you just if you know take your time just Seeing what I know, what he thinks about me, what I think about him. Right. Everything is good. I can say anything I want. Right. Because, like, you know, it's amazing. After watching a lot of the movies, you, I mean, you, got a cre- you got incredible range, you know? I mean, it's like, you know, people thinking you was sunny or whatever, but you got the full spectrum of shit you can do. That was Com- Francis. Francis let me go. In other words, yeah. the very first scene we shot in a, in a uh, Jenko olive oil company. Yeah. I didn't know it was like the first day I shot. And it was the scene where the Salazzo comes in. I just, I, I just wasn't there. I was like, I, I, I didn't have my foot in anything, you know, like. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, I was just, but I was doing it. And Francis looking at me didn't say nothing. And then and, and and Brando was great. Yeah. Anyway, I came home from that, and I felt shitty. I didn't. And we were going out somewhere, and I was shaving that night. Yeah. And Rickles used to be a friend of mine, you know, as a young kid, I used to hang around with them. Who, with Don? And Don Adams and Don yeah. Rickles. Yeah. yeah. Rickles is out of his mind. He's, you know, just yeah. fucking yeah. funny. Yeah. Anyway, I come in and I was shaving, and all of a sudden, I don't know why I thought of Rickles. This is a true story. I'm shaving. Poor Shaway. Jesus, you're fat, you know? Yeah. Yeah, you must be. You, you're the only guy when you sit on the seat, you must, you must say, get up, get up when you sit on the toilet seat, you know? <laughs> you must have flat kids, you son of a bitch. I mean, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And I just busted horn. Yeah. I went in the next day. I'm telling you, I busted balls for 16 weeks. <laughs> yeah. Every day. Francis, why don't you get your suit changed? You pay you how much money you need? $30 to get that press? You wear it every fucking day. I mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> busted balls. Right. Had everybody hysterical. Right. Right. And Francis never said a fucking word. Because I had a life, forget him. I, I could have done Hamlet like that. All those things, the beat about, the boom, and this, that's all improvised. And he right. left it. Francis, none of that's written. I said, you know, in my neighborhood, the Italians, I knew that they, they maybe had two suits, one suit. But they had 12 pairs of shoes. I don't know what it was. They love shoes. <laughs> yeah. So I said to the wardrobe lady, I said, do I have a pair of those black and white kickers, you know? Right. Or brown and white, but black and white. No, it's not in the script. It's not in the script. Oh, can I get them? You know, we were, we had a tight script. It was like two and a half million dollars, something ridiculous. Yeah. I also went, wait a fucker. Right. I went out, I bought for $10 in the Bronx in a used store. 
Yeah. Those black and white. Now, you remember the black and white shoes? Yeah. I bought them for $10. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Same with when I come and see. I didn't know when I was going to use it or ever use it. I took my car. We had these things. We called them attitude adjusters. Yeah. You know, do you remember this um, industrial type brooms? We cut them off here. It was a little like one of those little mini bats you buy at the ball game. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Here. Put them on the right seat. I know. An attitude adjuster in case I needed it. This proper guy said, what are you doing with that? I don't know. Just leave it. Is it bothering you? Leave it. The fuck there. <laughs> yeah. And that was weeks before we did the fight. When I got the fight, I stopped outside and, ran, and I grabbed that fucking thing and I ran out of the car and I said, come here, come here, come here. And I threw this fucking thing at him. He was running right. behind the cars on the other side of the street. I threw it at him. Francis loved it, right? This is when he, he, he was sitting on the stoop to be, when he beat the fuck yeah, out of that guy. Yeah, and he me and he started to run and I pulled, pulled the thing out of, underneath the car. Yeah. And I threw it He says, but Jimmy, you look like you don't want to hit him. What are you fucking nuts, Francis? This thing's fucking way to bother him, too, bro. <laughs> yeah. We're like, the enemy's behind the cars. He's running. Hit him right off the coconut. But luckily, it was on an <laughs> upswing. Yeah. It was on an upswing, you know? Right. So it didn't it really knock him. Hit him right in the fucking head. So, yeah, I busted his rib. But he, was, he, he needed it. Anyway, the other thing is, <laughs> yeah, the other thing, <laughs> the other thing was like, what was that guy's oh, name? Johnny Russo. He oh, wrote a yeah. book out now where he claims he did this. Everybody he talks about is dead. He fucked my one row. He did this. He did. Yeah, yeah, right. How, do you, how can you say that, John? <laughs> you know that guy? He's okay. He's a, he, he, he's a real a go-getter, you know? Like, yeah. Anyway. So the key to Sonny came through Don Rickles. Yeah, pretty much. But <laughs> it was like, uh, you know, there was little things in my neighborhood. I remember. When we, and, the, and the first time I, I ever just took off on my own, during the wedding, they said, go outside, the guys are taking the numbers now, right? Yeah, 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 with the cameras. I mean, the spit, none of that was in there. I go, yeah. what do you want? It's a wedding, blah, blah, blah. You, yeah. You know. That's right, you I threw the back. camera down, you throw the money at him. No way, yeah, there you go. See, that's the thing, you saw, you remember. Yeah. I had no in, in, intention of doing anything but walking in. But when I walked in with Clemenzo, who's a great character, that guy's great. The guy comes out and he snaps my picture. It's not an NSC, this flash one. And I just lost it. Yeah. I yeah. took his fucking camera, right? And it was yeah. one of these box cameras. Did you know? Prompt department went nuts. They cost a lot of money. <laughs> I <laughs> smashed. I smashed it on the floor. And yeah. in my neighborhood, was, if a guy broke something, as long as he paid for it, he was even. Right. And I looked at the thing, I looked at the guy, I swore 20 on the fucking. Yeah, 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 yeah. I walked in. Francis just loved that. It just happened right then and there. It's like yeah. I say, you got to be open, you know? Right. So I had a lot of fun with, with, with him, and Francis was great with me. Let me do... I mean, there's so many things he allowed me to do. but And he was really kind enough, you know, to let me do them. Are you still friends? Oh, yeah, sure. I did four more pictures, three, four more pictures with him. I want to do one more. But now he, someone's doing a picture about him. But then all these other great fucking movies, man. I didn't even know Slither was a thing, and that's I like that movie. I, mean, I forgot until you mentioned it right now. Peter Boyle, that was great. And then Cinderella Liberty was great. The Gambler. What was that director's name? Carol Rice? Is that Carol Rice. By the way, he was great. That's a great movie. That Toback's a, Toback's a nut, right? Complete nut bullshitter. Yeah, he's full of shit. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. Toback. I'm going to tell you, he, I'm telling you, Toback. But Carol Rice, you know, he was the producer of Saturday Night and Sunday Morning, a great yeah. picture. Yeah. Yeah. Just the greatest guy. And yeah. you know how there's English, you know, and he, like, I'm in every shot of that movie, right? And one day yeah. we're in Lexington Avenue, up, there's that one apartment building here. They got the steps that go all the way up, you know, in the front yeah. door to the front door. And I was in the next room and they had a, I had a smoke in the green room, was in the next door. They needed me for a shot. So the AD comes out and says, Hey, Jimmy, we need you for you. Come on out. Carol needs you right now. I'm going down the stairs and they have them wires going down the stairs. I step on one of them cables, you know. Right. Boom, I go down from the middle, all the way down. My ankle gets as big as a fucking softball, this big. Ugh, God, right yeah. when I hit the ground. Yeah. Tore it up. They picked me up. And he runs up to Carol Rice <laughs> and he goes, he says, I think Jimmy just broke his ankle. And Carol went, Oh, fuss, 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 fuss. <laughs> Oh, fuss, 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 fuss. Did you break it? No, it was sprained it pretty bad. I watched Freebie and the Bean, which I saw when well, I was a kid. What about you Steve? Know? Steve is the best I got movie that. Of all. Yeah. You love that one, huh? Oh, yeah. I mean, acting. Listen, here's what I mean about making certain choices. Michael turned out, I mean, that was like his first picture, you know. I can say I put him on the map. Michael Mann. Yeah. Yeah. He's a half a dick, you know. He's a real little Hitler. Yeah. So I'm I'm doing this picture and I'm looking at this dialogue and for whatever reason I have no idea where it comes from. Yeah. I decided because you know, there's a story about a guy, this is like a true guy, by the way, with took uh, you know, there's two guys who make up that one character, but yeah. One of them he got put in jail for like forty dollars. Right. You know, and that's where he first became a bad guy. That's a lot of these sentences they give these kids with a joint. Right, right. They're in there right. with bad guys for the first time. You know? they, yeah, they get made into so big, big, bigger I do bad 11 guys. years because I had two fights in there and I hit this, the, the captain on the yeah. head. I did all this stuff. Yeah. So now I'm in a hurry to make up for them 11 years, you know? Right. That's but that, Did you ever see the picture? Yeah. You, you know, in that thing I pulled out with Tuesday, the collage. The collage? Yeah, yeah. That whole scene. Yeah. So I said to Michael one day, I said, listen, if you notice in this picture, if you ever see it again, there is not one contraction in it. No isn't, wasn't, the, the, huh. no contractions. So I am the last guy on earth you want to mess with, you know. Right. I just never had an isn't, wasn't. I am the last guy you want to fuck with, okay? Yeah. So I'm doing this thing and I'm, I'm, I'm doing a, what is it, what is it that you think that I'm wearing? These are $3, you know, and Michael's goes, wait a minute, why are you, why are you, 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 why are you speaking like that? Why am I speaking like what? <laughs> yeah. You're not, I mean, I say it's because I never want to repeat myself. Do you understand? You're in a hurry. Exactly. Haste makes waste. Uh -huh. right? Yeah. He went, okay. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> yeah. that whole thing, you won't find one contraction in there. And that was your choice. Yeah. Huh. You guys are really in a hurry, but that's really odd, right? But yeah. I am not going to repeat myself. You want Make it up for the lost time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I'm not. Yeah. That's fucking great. And what about the with the one you directed? How come you only do you didn't want to direct oh, I got more? The best reviews on that. I know. The hide and plain sight. It was so yeah, it was so great. They didn't understand it. They had these idiots over there at MGM UA. 
Yeah. I think they were. And they put it out, and they didn't even have single sheets yet. And then they came out, and I got these reviews, and then they realized, oh, my God. You know, and they tried to put it out again. but They got a real I mean, movie on their hands. The truth of the matter is, you know, if you make a movie, even when I'm acting, this sounds pompous, but it's, it's I don't mean it that way. I want everybody in the world to love it, obviously. Sure. But you're really making it for, like, 20 guys or 15 guys and girls that, you know, you respect a lot. And right. So when Francis told me it's one of his best five movies or 10 movies, you know, that he's ever seen, yeah, and Pollock wrote me a letter, and a lot of the guys wrote me a letter. So that was really good and rewarding for me. But the kids were, who were so good, you know, I found Jill Eikenberry. I, 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 I mean, it was so much fun doing it because I could get to play with my actors, you know. Yeah, uh, and uh, I felt bad for them that they, they didn't, didn't get, get the recognition. The recognition. Right, but they did in the, in, the, in, the, in the business. They did. They did all right. Yeah, yeah. It's so funny. You know what I noticed when I was watching all these movies is how many times you're uh, uh, recovering from gunshot wounds or, <laughs> in a, or, or in a hospital bed. It's like you got a uh, fucking yeah. bullet and it comes a horseman and then you in misery you're in the fucking bed recovering and killer elite. You got you got to recover from something and Brian's song, Brian's song, you're dying. You, know, you got to have at least two bullets in you. Any, no matter what, the, his love stories have two bullets. <laughs> that guy is crazy. Did you did you like that guy, Sam? Yeah, complete wacko, complete. I had a scene with Bobby in the morning, like the night before. First of all, I, I had that cane shit. I was I studied that, you know, for a while. Yeah. I teach it, and and Bobby and I have this thing. It's a whole written scene where we're going to work that next day in the car. If you'll see that the first night, and then the second day we're in the car. There's a long scene, and it's about a broad that I took up to the. My room. Well, yeah. Came up to my right. room. Yeah, 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 right. And he gives you the fake v- VD And he gives you this thing with, with a... Yeah, she has some kind of venereal disease. That's yeah, true. Yeah, my yeah. fucking brother went into a wallet, found it, and was laughing yeah. his ass off. Didn't stop me, you little prick. Yeah. I go, but I didn't That's know. Because she was... <laughs> she says, did, did you touch your pussy? And I went, spit out the cheese I was eating. I couldn't <laughs> oh, <no>. remember. <laughs> yeah. They were laughing. So I told I told Sam, he goes, tell that story. What about all yeah. the dialogue you wrote? Fuck it, just tell that story to Bobby. So that's how that came about. He's nuts, I'm telling you. And he just put it in the movie? Yeah. So what about these times? What about, like, you know, it seemed like there were times where you, like, you didn't want to act anymore, or you quit, or you retired, or you had trouble? No, yeah, I had, I lost my sister, you know, which was like, oh, uh, it was brutal. She was like my yeah. best friend, my sister. Uh, my sister. Yeah. And... Yeah, things were coming easy, you know, and and I don't know. And then I got into cocaine, you know, which yeah. I never did. I was a ball player my whole life, you know. Yeah. But I I, I coached my kids. You have yeah. no idea. I coached. I quit, and I coached for five years. I coached baseball. Yeah. I coached hockey, which I knew not hockey, uh, soccer, which I knew nothing about, and basketball. Yeah. yeah. And we won. I mean, it was great. So, and you weren't acting at all? No. I could do, in one day, I could feel more creative than I can with one of these kids than I can with six months in a movie. Yeah. Forget it. It's great. And I worked my ass. I brought kids to my house. I bought a batting machine from, I got a batting machine from the Dodgers uh, in yeah. my house. It was great. My kid was the number one pick, Scott. Yeah. Andy Lopez, who was coach of uh, Pepper, Pepperdine. Yeah, offered him a good baseball coach at Pepperdine. 
Yeah. Offered him a scholarship when he was 13. He says the best set of hands he's seen. So this was what you did to kind of get over the sadness? No, I, I did I, I did that to, to get some life back into myself, you know? And I don't know. And I was After kinda, the coke and stuff? I realized that, yeah, it was terrible, terrible, really yeah. destructive. And, yeah. And uh, I realized that the three words I like least yeah. are, uh, I don't care. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You want to play tennis? I don't care. You don't no. care. Well, fuck you. I, I don't. I want to know that I beat you today that you wanted to play. <laughs> it, it does me no good. I can hit against a court. You know, like a, yeah. You know, you want to fuck? Um, oh well, maybe. Uh, okay. Okay. Wow, you're really. <laughs> no, you know what I mean. Really... Yeah. Ooh, yeah. 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 So the passion became passion became everything to me. Like somebody's oh, passionate yeah. about something, I'm going to listen. Or not. You have to be crazy, but they care about what they're. So I got into this whole bullshit fucking thing. And then then I realized like that how, how destructive it was. And then I had some good friend of mine, like nobody was better to me than than uh Castle Rock, you know. And those guys I had a couple I had friends Rob Reiner. Me, yeah, Meathead was one and Andy Sherman yeah. and, and they offered me misery. Misery, I don't know. They they Rob must believe me something because I think they went to Warren Beatty and Warren was a good guy. He said, no, you want a real man for this? You don't want me. You want someone like Jimmy Carr or something. So uh, they came to me to do it. They offered me something that was very fair. Yeah. You know, very fair for not being around for long. More than fair. It was like a one third of what I made, which I was making pretty good money. I was one of the highest paid guys around. Yeah. And, and, uh, I did it, and uh, that was another part where. What would you do to prepare for that? I mean, like well, you know, listen, first you... of all, you know me. I mean, you know me well enough. But I, I knew Rob. He he left. I said, I, I I know why you did this. You took the the most. Um, uh, well, let me see what the word was I used. Neurotic guy in Hollywood, you know, and put him in bed for fifteen weeks. Right, <laughs> just like yeah, you, you could sense I want to get out so bad, you know. And Rob was great. So I looked at this, and, and Kathy was wonderful. She loved to rehearse. I, I don't like to rehearse, yeah. especially here. So Rob comes and says, Jimmy, do you mind? Like, she wants to rehearse. I, I really don't want to rehearse. I mean, if it's okay. You know, why? I mean, look, I don't know if she's going to kiss me or fuck me <laughs> when she comes in. What do I want to know without before? Let me... Yeah. Let me get lost and understand that I have no idea. Just do what I have to do. I'm not playing anything. I don't have to play with my dialogue. Right. I go, don't get near me, you know? Let her so, rehearse by, with somebody else. Let her rehearse. Yeah, like she's going to hit yeah. me in the head with a bat. So he got that, and he rehearsed with all the time. And I had a lot of fun. So you didn't know. You wanted to keep it so you didn't know what she was going to do. I want me, the character. Yeah. I know what she was going to do, but I try to play against that. Well, what good would yeah. that be? You're taking away the acting part. Right. Yeah, you know, yeah, acting, yeah, yeah. acting. What am I acting, acting for? Right, right, right. But I have to really try to remember what she's going to do. Of course, you have to know that. But I already have my my innards rehearsed and ready. I, I've done it already. Now I got, you know, where I should be. And she was really do, good. Do you like doing that part? Uh, I had to be in bed. It was really tough. I mean... I am kind of, you know, I'm just got to move all the time. And yeah, <laughs> I, on our uh, 
our cameraman, Stanley, he, 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 when I had to get out of bed and crawl yeah. to, the, to the door, when yeah. Rob wasn't looking, he'd go around and he's, I'd be watching him. Here's your route. And he'd spit on the floor, the prick. So <laughs> I had <a> strategic spots. <laughs> You had such a great, uh, you know, like the, 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 like you knew all these guys. I mean, I can't even believe that when you, like one of the first movies you did, you're with Mitchum and John Wayne. How about that? That must have been crazy. I'm 22 or 23 years old. It must so, have been crazy. I, first thing I did was got lifts for my fucking heels. Yeah. Uh, with those two guys. I love Mitchum to death. He was a rounder. That guy was, that guy was, yeah. okay, boy. And so Mitchum, I mean, I go to work with, with Wayne. Yeah. And the first week is me and Wayne riding to El Dorado, riding, and I sing that poem, you know, uh, about yeah. El Dorado. Yeah. And I'm noticing he's talking to me. I'm saying, this fucking guy don't talk right, you know? Yeah. I used yeah. to notice yeah. it, but now I'm here, coming from the studio and, and you know, and the playhouse. And, and I'd say, he'd go, like he shoots this kid. And I... And he goes down and picks his head up and he goes, why'd you do it, Luke? Why'd you have to go and do that? And who the fuck talks like that? I'm saying to myself. <laughs> so he says, now, Mississippi, here's what we're going to do. We're going to walk. And I just couldn't fucking believe it. So I, like I tell you, it's like whatever's there, yeah. I'm looking at him in awe. And I'm smiling like, I, and I'm just say, I can't believe this guy. The only that was really real. Yeah. I'm like, no human talks like this fucking guy. Yeah. And I'm just smiling. So Mitchum comes about two weeks later to yeah. join us. Yeah. And I had that hat on. And Mitchum comes out and he goes, "Hey, Jiminy Cricket," because I had that hat on. Remember? Yeah. So I said, "You're doing a lot of smiling there." They got to show him the dailies, you know. Yeah. He says, yeah. "You're doing a lot of smiling there." Here I am talking to Mitchum twenty two. Has you ever listened to this fucker talk? What are you talking about? <laughs> he laughed, man, you know. I kept it up, you know, with Wayne. Yeah. And he turned out to be like a 12-year-old kid. I mean, I loved him, but he was... If he could intimidate you, he'd... I'm there with the two, these two fucking giants. Yeah. 22 or whatever the hell I was. Yeah. And I'm, I would come... And Howard Hawks, the 72-year-old then, <clears throat> he was Howard Hawks, you know. Right. There was one scene where we come around the corner at the top of the street and the bad guys are all down at the end of the street in the bar on the right. That's when I throw that knife or something there's something else goes on. I think Mitchum goes in and does this thing. But anyway, these bad guys in the town looking for him. We come around the corner. We're trying to we look for him. We came around the corner and I'm running. We first come running around the corner and we stop at the corner. And Duke says, Now nah, look at Mississippi. You run down here, right down the middle, just scoot around that back end, and come around it, and you come in that that front door when I'm going. Yeah, I mentioned him. Okay, so Hawks come over. We had to dress the whole front, dress the street. Yeah. You know, it was two six ups there. I mean, one six up, two four ups, bunch of horses, people walking up. It was real length of the street. Yeah, took quite a while, you know. Yeah. All right, you ready, guys? She says, okay, so now, Jimmy, when you say that line, boom, you go, right? I'll do this yeah. and go. Shovels back to the camera, about 50 yards away. Yeah. Turns around, and as he's walking back, Luke turns to me and says, nah, look at kid. When you say that to her line, 
I want you to turn around and give me that look you give me. What the fuck look? I give you what? What look? <laughs> yeah. I didn't say that to you. But he started, uh, I guess he was picking up on me smiling at him all the time. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> so I, I said, what? Just turn around and give me that look you give me and then go. <laughs> I said, okay, dude. <laughs> yeah. Well, everybody back around that way. Actually, yeah. flying around the corner, going, this and that, and I turn around. Cut! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ, what happened? Here comes Hawk, slowly across. Bring everybody back. Yeah. Look, Jimmy, when you say the line, I need you to go. I don't need you to stand there because it's got to be a little whatever. You know, we need pace. Yeah, no, yeah, there's a speed. We need, we yeah. need to get down there. Yeah. I said, I'm sorry, coach. I'm looking at this prick. He didn't say a word. All right. Sorry, coach. Sorry, sorry. We start walking down. He starts walking back to the camera. He says, now, nah, lucky kid. I told you, when you give me that look, don't take a full step. You take a half a step. And then you turn around and give me that look you give me. <laughs> okay, Duke. This yeah. is really early on in a relationship. Right. Yeah, fucking courses, everything come again. Yeah, I go, he go. I run the, I take a step. I go, all right, we'll go down and turn around. Cut. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck? What is the matter with you, Jimmy? What, what do you mean, coach? I'm sorry. I told you, don't turn around again. Look at him. It's important you say it and you go. Yeah. And I'm waiting for John, the young kid that's getting his ass kicked by the director. You don't yeah. say a fucking word. Yeah. <clears throat> so I said, I'm sorry, Carl. I promise you it will not happen again. I'm so sorry. Right. You know, we're going to wipe the horses down. Now they're going to wipe them down. It's a fucking half hour. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I get in a position, and Duke goes, nah, lucky kid. And I turn around with my fist, and I was going to pop him. Right? <laughs> and I was going to pop him, and all of a sudden, I get grabbed from the back from Mitch and grabbed both my arms from <laughs> my back. He said, Oh, easy, big fella. Oh, easy, big fella. <laughs> I said, you fuck. You know? And, you know, they both kind of laughed. And, and that was it, you know? But from then on, we were great. He was like my best friend, you know? Was he, he just if fucking he could with get you? He... He, could get you. he would do the Arthur Honeycutt. If he could intimidate you, he'd fucking... The whole, whole picture, you'd be intimidated. You'd get scared to death of him. By Wayne. Yeah. You yeah. know, if he, he could see that, and me, it became so bad, like, like we because you were laughing at it. He'd do it on purpose. Fuck. Oh. <laughs> so, so we were sitting there. We had this scene, like you're across the desk. I am now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I'm off camera. Yeah. yeah. This is when we we go on with doing us, and the camera's over my shoulder on him. Yeah. So I'm standing there, and he starts talking, and I'm going, stay, <laughs> fucking stay. And he, he'd laugh like that. The hawk said, what's the matter, dude? Oh, nothing, pappy. Nothing wrong with you. Fuck. And I'd make him laugh, you know. Uh, he was like a little kid. I'd have, yeah. You know those wooden dressing rooms they have on the set sometimes? Yeah. You know, the wooden dressing rooms, you have a key yeah, for it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like a lot. I come in there one day and I open it after lunch. Fucking garbage fell out. I mean, tons of shit fell out. Dude, <laughs> yeah. you know. He's like yeah. a fucking kid. But that was such a what a great baptism in the show business you get because you must have watched those guys when you were a kid, right? Sure, 
Sure. I mean, Mitchum, right? Were you friend? Did you stay friends with Mitchum? Yeah, I mean, apparently, yeah, he threw Mitchum was around. He threw George, and he had a two hundred twenty pound driver. George yeah. threw him off a bridge up in San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> Mitchum did. Yeah, who George is driving? I was that fucking fat George. Oh my God, Mitchum. And we used to go down. Me and some stuntmen. I was a stuntman all my life with them. I worked on sometimes my friend Walter, and we go down to Mexico. And then we can come back shit faced. I mean, you know, yeah, we go to yeah, Mitchum's yeah. house because he was the only fucking guy. He, and his parents, you know, his his wife's parents, Dorothy, his wife, they were current. You know, he was a colonel, and they were this high line North Carolina couple that had that farm and and uh, <laughs> I've been drunk at night on the and you start fighting on this kitchen floor, me and Chuck, little Chuck. <laughs> we're just fighting, just terrible, drunk. Yeah. And one and one day his parents came up to, to see him, his mother did. Yeah. Oh no, his father. And I was Chuck Roberson and another guy were on the floor, Buzz Henry. They're fighting in the kitchen where but that's where the beers were, I guess. And we didn't know. Here comes his mother. Mitchum his mother and and we're on the floor. Mitch me yahoo, yahoo, yahoo. Look up, oh hi Colonel. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. You guys. Oh, it was great. Good times, huh? Yeah, yeah. Got to have a good time, boy, that's for sure. There's nothing worse than being on a picture and not having one. It's like every morning you got to wake up. But I made sure that I can proudly say for most of my period, I, I either made them like me or made them laugh or whatever it was. <laughs> hey, man, it was great talking to you, Jimmy. Who the, did I talk to you this long? I'm going crazy up here. This is a big deal for me to talk to any living human. It was great. Uh, come back tomorrow. What are you doing? Nothing. I wish it, there wasn't this fucking <laughs> this fucking plague around. I would come over any time and talk. Uh, no, I'm sorry. That's fun, man. I got that's only that's. Uh, we I did half few, of it. A few more. I'll think of a <laughs> okay, couple well, funny ones so you can you know. I'll keep it up in your alley. <laughs> no, it was great. It was a real honor, buddy. And I, I mean, Thank you're a big you. part of my life, my whole life. And you know, my father loved you. It was a real honor to talk to you and meet you. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Take care, man. All right, buddy. Take care. Fucking James Kahn. What do you think about that? Wild. It was totally wild talking to that guy. Now I'm going to play guitar. A little bit. A little bit. A little bit.
Wilmer lives. Lafonda, monkey. The Flying Cat Brigade. Oh, my God. 